Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. God, this Sunday morning, I hope that you've had a, had a blessed week. Amen. And if, if not, I hope that uh, God speaks to your life right now uh, to turn something upside down. Man, I, I, love, I love the worship, man. I, I, lo- I love worshiping, you know, from here. I love leading worship, but I, I just love worship in general because, again, it, those moments in God's presence, it just, it's enough to break you. It's enough to, to make you look at your life and, and all the things that maybe you've complained about in that week and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being offended by everything this week. I, I, I forgive me. Amen. That's what the presence of God does. Um, I want to preach this morning, uh, I want to thank Pastor Brandon. Last week, he, he gave us a, a, a beautiful word. Uh, God really spoke through him. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, Karen, uh, Karen, Sister Karen, she, she brought a word in our, in our Spanish service. And man, she, she brought it, man. Um, there was so much that she touched on that I told her um, is, is, is similar to the message of today. So I believe that God is wanting to speak something to the whole body this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of John chapter six. And I'm going to ask for your continued prayers for Ellie. She's, she's getting a little bit better. She had a, she had a fever yesterday. Um, Melissa and I are supposed to be going to Cancun tomorrow and I don't need any change of plans. So pray. (laughs) Amen. Do you have, do you have John chapter six? We're reading verses 41 through 65. If you have it, say amen. And if you don't have it, I have it up here for you. It says this. It says, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this, uh, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I come down from heaven? Skipping down to uh, verse 48, it says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among them saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me. He also will live because of me. I know we're reading a little bit, but let's keep going. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. And verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, I want you to hear this. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Who can accept it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? 
Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are the Spirit of life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Verse 65, we're almost done. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by him the Father. And look at 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Amen. Let's pray over this word. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, because I know that this word, you preached it to me first, my God. And I pray, my God, that you preach it to your people this morning, Father God, that we may receive it, Father God, as life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Out of all of the controversial, crazy things that Jesus is recording, having said, this has got to be like top three. I mean, you read that and it might even make you feel uncomfortable. I mean, verse 54 just goes there. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life. This is this is vampire talk, right? If you are having a Bible study in your home with a bunch of non-believers, you're going to probably avoid this passage of Scripture. You ain't going to bring this one out. It's crazy. It makes Jesus sound crazy. And let's be honest, no one in this world who you admire, think about the person that you admire the most, respect the most, love the most, he or or, or she cannot utter these same words without you running away from their presence. I'm sorry, brother, I, I don't see you the same way I used to see you. After having said that, right? And I I was reading, as I was reading the passage uh, this week and getting to verse 66, where it says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I can't say that I wasn't surprised because being associated with this type of teaching is not normal. It's not normal. This is not, this is not popular, This ain't pop culture. Jesus doesn't say this. You're not going to say this to the masses without getting some criticism. And it's got to be okay for us to acknowledge that Jesus said some crazy stuff, right? I mean, and and he knew it. He knew it too. He knew that what he was going to say was going to offend people because he was speaking a language that no one else understood. He was speaking a kingdom language. No one else understood that. And so uh, to, to, to the ordinary person, Jesus speaking these things, it made him look and sound crazy. The, one, the only ones that really came close to understanding what Jesus was saying, and we can't even say that they fully understood, were those in his inner circle, the 12. We could even include Judas in that. Judas was just pure evil, but he understood the message of the Christ. And so... What I'm saying this morning is if you truly want to understand Jesus, if you truly want to understand the things of God and, and the things that God is, is, is putting in your life, the situations that he's got you going through, you have to get real close. You have to get in, in his inner circle. Too many times we don't want to do that. Too many times we would rather be in the crowd than in the circle. We want, to be, we want to be witnesses, but not participators. We want, to see, we want to see the miracles. But the moment the miracles stop, we want to go home early. Oh, the show's over. We want to be in the crowd, but not in the circle. That's the title of my message this morning, in the circle. Tell the person next to you, I want to be in the circle. But only tell them that if you really mean it. 
I want to be in the circle. To be a true disciple of Jesus, you can't be afraid to get real close. Amen? But you also have to understand this because the closer you get, the crazier you look. I, I like to think of those storm chasers, man. Uh, people who like follow storms and, and, and tornadoes and hurricanes. They have to get real close to the tornado to get the best footage. Now, I, man, I, I love, I, I'm fascinated by like storms and, and tornadoes, right? I, I'm really into those like disaster movies. I'll get on YouTube and search like top 10 most destructive tornadoes of all time, right? I'll just be there on the YouTube binge uh, on storms because I, I admire them, but I wouldn't want to get too close to a storm in real life. I, I can admire it from a distance. I can respect a tornado, an F5 tornado from, from a long way off, right? But if you ask me to get too close, I'm going to look at you like you're crazy. Now, it's the same way when it comes to your walk with Christ. See, some people can admire Christ. They can respect him. They can support him. They can come to church and, 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 and look at Jesus from afar. But to be a true disciple of Christ, you have to get closer. You got to make your way to the front until you can't even walk anymore. And you're going to look crazy for it, and you should look crazy for it. Your faith should look crazy. Someone say amen. Your faith, doesn't, doesn't your faith look crazy sometimes? People are looking at you like, what are you, what are you saying? What are you speaking? What are you believing? That has not happened ever before to anyone. You think it's going to happen to you? I got that faith. It's crazy. Your patience ooh, should look crazy to some people. Your patience levels. It should, it should make people go, man, you, you got a lot of patience. Your ability to forgive. We, we talked about forgiveness this past Wednesday. Awesome class. And we talked about forgiveness as, a, as an act of will. You have to give forgiveness. And to be a true disciple of Jesus means that your forgiveness levels is going to make you look nuts. How can you forgive such a person when they did that to you? They didn't even do it accidentally. They did it with malicious intent. And you're going to forgive them? But you're real close because you know, man, you know who you, you used to be and who Jesus forgave the person in you. So you say, I, I have to be able to forgive. You're going to look crazy. Your ability to, to say, and man, I, I, would, I, I remember, you know, those, those have you ever had a, a, a grandparent? I had a grandparent who was just crazy in love with Jesus, man. And I would look at her life sometimes and things that she would go through, and she was just always positive. And she would be in the middle of a storm saying God is good. And I'm like, what? That should make you look crazy. To the people around you, to the people who don't know Christ like you do, you should look crazy. If we don't look crazy to some people, maybe it's because we look more like them than we do Christ. Right? See, see, as Christians, as Christians, we should never be satisfied with just being in the crowd, but rather in the circle. I don't, I don't want to just hear about what God has done. I want to testify to it because he's done it through me. That's how close I want to be. I want to be comfortable enough doing that which I do not understand because I understand the power and the authority of he who calls me to it. You only get to that level of discipleship 
with being in the circle. And I want to dissect this kingdom language real quick. We're going to get a little theological this morning. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. The bread of life. What does that mean? Well, bread had this basic uh, general meaning of food. So when you spoke of bread, you meant you, you were speaking of uh, food. So along with water, bread was considered the basic necessity for life. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that he can produce the bread in a, in a miraculous fashion. That's something that he already proved that he could do. People witnessed that. So he's not saying that I can, I can produce the bread. He's saying I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. That's what confused the crowds. See, Jesus just performed this. In, in, in the same chapter, Jesus had performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 uh, 5, with two loaves of bread and three fish. I spoke about that a few weeks ago, right? So people witnessed the, the, the miracle of, of, of bread and Jesus providing bread. But, but here he's saying something different. He's not just saying, I can provide bread. I am the bread. And, and that miracle that, that Jesus did to the crowds, it was a sign, right? It was a sign that, that, uh, Mo, that, that Jesus was this great prophet who was coming like Moses. Uh, verse 14 of that same chapter says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, uh, did said, This is truly the prophet who is to come to the world. Deuteronomy chapter 18 speaks of a future prophet who would... Uh, rise up like Moses. Um, up until Jesus, there had been no other prophet like Moses. Moses was unique. Moses was special. Not even, not even Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Haggai, not even they compared to Moses because Moses spoke to God face to face. He had a very special, unique relationship with God the Father. And so, if you, if you remember, it was Moses who was with the Israelites when they were in the wilderness when they received the manna, the bread, from heaven in a miraculous way. You remember that? God provided daily for 40 years bread, manna from heaven. He just made it rain bread. And so when Jesus performs the miracle of bread by feeding the multitudes, they see the correlation and they, they take that to mean that Jesus is this He's the second Moses. He is this prophet that Deuteronomy spoke about. Now, their assumption was correct. He is the prophet that arose and uh, that Deuteronomy was speaking about. Peter talks about it in, in Acts chapter 3. But he's more than that, too. See, the, the crowds recognize Jesus. I want you to understand this. The crowds recognize Jesus for much of what he was. They believe that he was the Messiah. They believe that he was the Christ. They believe that he was uh, the king that the Old Testament spoke about. They believe that he was the prophet. One thing that they could not wrap their heads around, and which is why they crucified him, is why is Jesus calling himself the son of God? These people believe that he was the prophet. Okay, he's the prophet. Okay, he's the Christ. Okay, he's the king that's going to restore Israel. But the son of God, they could not see it. The only ones who truly understood Jesus to be the son of God were those in his inner circle, the 12. And so when Jesus asks his disciples, who do they say that I am? Who do the crowd say that I am? 
Peter says, well, some say that you're a prophet. Some say you're a miracle worker like Elijah. Some say you're a great teacher, a great preacher. But the question that Jesus was really getting at is, okay, who do you say that I am? Let me see if, if, if what you see is what you say. And Peter said, well, Jesus, I say that you are the Christ, but not just the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter could only say that because he was close enough to Jesus to be able to discern it. So if you are unable, church, to recognize the voice of God in your life, if you can't eventually figure out the will of God in your life, and we're not talking about details, okay, we're talking about purpose and will. If you can't figure out the will of God in your life, it could be because your relationship with God is at a distance. You got a long distance relationship with Jesus. And if you've ever been in one of those, they don't always work out. Just ask my, my fourth grade girlfriend, Holly Irwin. <laughs> when I was in fourth grade, uh, I told Holly Irwin that, um, that I liked her. Uh, one week before we were going to move to Colorado. Um, and, and so the next day at school, she, she confessed that she liked me too. So we're, we became a thing for that week. Became official. We made it official. And I was, I was determined to make our relationship last, right? And I, I remember being so upset at my dad for stripping me away, taking me a thousand miles away. He was ruining this young love, right? I, I remember, I remember, I still remember the letter that I wrote to Holly before I left. It said something like, it said, I will come visit you this summer. That is uh, a promise, even against the behest of my dad. I don't think I said behest of I'm in fourth grade, but I said, even if my dad gets mad, I'm coming, girl. I'm coming for you. I got to Colorado. I called her one time. That was it. <laughs> but long distance relationships, I mean, they only work when you put the maintenance into the relationship. You got you to gotta spend more time on the phone, on FaceTime. You got to plan visits. It's like you got to get closer, even though you're further away. Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that he was the prophet. He knew that he was the future king, but he also had insight into his divinity. Something many other people didn't have because they were watching from a distance. They were afraid to get too close because the closer you get, the crazier you look. And the less of yourself you can bring with you. Jesus says, eat of my flesh. That, that's hardcore stuff, man. Drink of the blood. That's, that's just another level of crazy. Amen. And sometimes I, as I was you know, studying this sermon, I, I had to ask myself, like, and I try to be as honest as possible, like, would I have been in the inner circle of Jesus? Ask yourself that this morning. Would I have been in the inner circle of Jesus or would I have been just in the crowds listening to what everyone else was saying? But then the moment that Jesus spoke, it got me uncomfortable. Are you, in, are you in the circle today? Are you in the circle right now? Look, th this message, this is, this is not a message on belief, okay? This is not a message on salvation. There's a time and a place for that. And, and, and I believe that many of us here in the room, we have a relationship with Jesus. I, I believe that many of us have our salvation, but this is not a message on salvation. This is a message on discipleship. We have to have those every now and then. 
And, and something that I believe that we all understand is you can't get more saved, but you can get closer to an understanding of will and purpose that God has laid out for your life. You can't get more saved, but you can get closer to God in your relationship. Just like you can't get more married, but you can get further away from your spouse. And I think, I think any Christian can look at an opportunity and say, oh, this is a good opportunity. This must be from God. Or, or look at an obstacle and say, well, this is an obstacle. Clearly, this is not from God because God only wants me to prosper. But only a true disciple of Christ can discern whether that obstacle was really put by, their, by God as a test. And if that opportunity that you think looks good was actually God or someone else. It takes a very special insight. And that is the insight that I desire. I want to be able to, t- I want to be able to have that discernment because the power of God is in me. I can, I can look at something and say, that, I don't, that, that doesn't look like God. Because I'm real close with God. That is the insight that I want. I want to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus, man, because uh, it's where the depth is that where, where you find the power. And the deep is where the power is. I want you to think about that for a moment. To go deep is scary, right? You say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know how to swim. I know we have a lot of, a lot of you that don't know how to swim. <laughs> Amen. You say, I don't know how to swim. I, I, can't, I can't go that deep. Or, or maybe you can swim, but... The deeper you go, the more violent the waters get. And you're like, I don't know if my, my swimming game is on that level, right? See, 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 the deeper you go, the further you get from what is comfortable, right? The deeper you go, the further you get from, from the safe zone. And the, the deeper you go, the crazier you look. If, you, if you've ever been at the beach and you see some guys, they're swimming like 200 yards from the shore. You're like, somebody's going to die today. Someone is crazy, Right? But that's, that's how we look. The deeper we go in our relationship with Jesus, we look crazy. Now, I want you to notice something else. Jesus also calls himself the living water. Bread and water, the two basic needs for human survival, is what Jesus calls himself on a spiritual level. All we have to do is take of the living water and we will be saved. Amen? Praise God. But how many of you know that you can be in the water and in the shallow at the same time. Pastor, I already, I already took of the living water, but have you, are you just ankle deep? <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you made your way deeper? Jesus called you into the waters. He didn't call you to stay into the shallows. Now, now getting people into the living water, that is, that is the goal of the church. That is why we exist. We are to preach Jesus so that they can take the bread of life and the living water. But then the cycle needs to be repeated, right? The people that find themselves in the shallow, they need to make their way into the deep so that they gain a, a, a biblical and a theological understanding of the truth so that they get an experience of what it is to be a disciple of Christ so that they can have a, a spiritual understanding, spiritual strength. Jesus didn't call, man, this is, this is, this is, so, this is so good. 
I mean, and that's not, I'm not saying that because, man, I'm preaching good. I'm just saying the word of God is so alive. Jesus, Jesus didn't call anyone out in the crowd to have them build his church. He had 5,000 people he could have chosen from that were there for him. They were fans of Jesus. But he didn't call any one of those to build his church. What does he do? He calls Peter. He says, I will build my church upon you because Peter has a solid foundation. Peter has gone to the depths. This is a man who literally stepped out of the boat and into the deep and violent waters to walk with Jesus. I want you, Peter, to build my church. We can't continue building the body of Christ with a bunch of shallow Christians. It's not going to work that way. And if we raise a generation of, of, of children who don't have the courage, the boldness to walk into the deep, how are they going to be able to lead anyone into the waters? My daughter, Layla, she thinks she can swim. She, she can't. But, you know, she can, she can stand there, right? And, and she can play in the water, and, and, and she, can, she can move around if she has a floaty on. But she thinks that she's, she's good. And so the other day we were in the pool, and she was like, Daddy, I, I got Ellie. Just leave her with me. <laughs> I'm like, girl, is that what we are going to entrust the next generation with? A bunch of Christians that say, I got this, but they're just right there in the, sh- in the shores. They haven't gone to the deep. They haven't had life experiences. They're one incident away from walking away from their faith. In the crowd, people were saying, give us a sign, Jesus. Give us a sign. What will you do to prove that everything that you just said is true? And Jesus is like, bro, I just, I did all these signs already for you. I've done all these miracles ad nauseum for you. If you don't get it by now, you're just not going to get it. But they're constantly asking, give us a sign, give us a sign. The disciples never asked Jesus for a sign. Not, 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 not at this point. And, and once the miracles stopped, those in the crowd, they, they got discouraged because he's, he's not doing miracles. He must not be from God. He must be a fraud. But the 12 disciples they didn't need Jesus to do a miracle. They, they knew that he was the miracle. Meanwhile, the crowd begins to walk away and, and rebuke him. What if you're rebuking something that you think isn't from God only because you're not close enough to see that it really is God? You're standing too far from God to, to see that what's coming your way really is from God. And you're like, no, I don't want that. I rebuke that. Or you're welcoming something that you think is from God because it looks good, but you're not close enough to God to really know what is from God. You can't know those things until you get close. Close. Anytime, church, you've got a big decision to make in your life. I want to I encourage you to ask that question. Am I in the circle? Like a decision that is going to affect your family. It's going to affect other people. It's going to affect you in a, in a big way. Ask yourself, am I in the circle? Am I close enough? Am I seeing clearly enough because I'm close enough to the source? I'm not saying you're going to get every single answer to every question that you have. I'm not saying that you're going to feel peace about every situation. But when you're close to God, man, you, just, you, you have a special insight. 
you have an insight that, that a lot of other people don't have. See, I, I, I knew the God who called me to, to pastor, even when I didn't want to pastor. And I, I said yes because I was too afraid not to say yes. <laughs> because I, I'm close enough to God to fear God. And because, I, honestly, I was, I was already in the deep end. I didn't have the comfort and the security to say, oh, I could just swim back to the shore. I don't want to go any deeper with you. I'm just going to go back to, to, what I, to what I used to know. I, I was already in the deep end. I had no choice. It's either turn back and drown or keep swimming on the strength of God. That's, what, that's what's scary, man. Being in the deep end and abandoning God, shoot. You have to be in the, you already have to be in the depths. And I'll be honest, man, if it wasn't God, if it had just been me thinking that I heard the voice of God, but but it really wasn't, I I wouldn't be pastoring today. Because sometimes it's only by his strength that I continue to do his work. I had to be close enough to discern that call. And I had to get into prayer. And I, y'all know the story. I've told him many times. I went into the room and I told, you know, Pastor Melissa, Babe, I think God wants to, I think God is wanting to make me a pastor. And I, I, I told it to her after it had been sitting in me for like weeks. And even when I said it, I was still reluctant. I was like, I think God is saying this and I'm like, I can't hide it anymore. You got to get close to discern. Give you another example. When I was, when we were thinking about changing the name to the church, y'all know it took some time. I was getting asked constantly, so we can change the name. Um, and it's not that I didn't want to. It's, it's that I wanted to make sure that I understood what God was speaking into the identity of the body. Right. And, and I still remember. I, I still remember hearing in, in, in my spirit the words move, led and empowered. It, I think it brought a tear to my to my to my eyes, man. Moved, led and empowered. See, because I didn't just want, I didn't just want a, a name change just for the sake of rebrand, rebranding. I wanted there to be a verb behind the noun that is Numa. And so I remember saying, God, okay, we have the name Numa. It's cool. Sounds, sounds cool. It's Greek. We're going to have to educate people on how to say it because some people think it's Panuma. I, I just want to know. When have you ever seen a, a PN word and pronounced it pn- pneumonia? You don't, you don't say that, right? Anyways, but we had the name, but th- there, was, there, was, there was something missing. And I, I remember I had been praying. I'd been asking God for, uh, for, for vision, for direction. And I was on the couch. I was at home. And suddenly I heard moved, led, and empowered. And you know when you hear the voice of God in those quiet moments, it's not audible, but it's revelatory. It, it, it's, you know it's not something that came from you. That's how it was. God was attaching the, miss, uh, the mission to the name. But I wouldn't have known that unless I was trying to get real, real close. 
And sometimes you got to get real, 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 real close because sometimes God likes to whisper. I don't know why he does that. Maybe he does that so that we can get closer. But sometimes he, he, he whispers and you have to get, well, what? What? I'll do that to my, my children sometimes. I'll be like, hey, Layla. She's like, what? And then she'll get real close and I'll give her a kiss. <laughs> sometimes God has to whisper for us to say, God, what? And we get closer to him. Closer like Solomon needed to get closer in order to lead God's people. He knew that, that he could not do it by his own strength. He could not do it by anything else. He could not do it by his pedigree. Being the son of, of, of King David, he knew that that was enough. So he says, God, I need your wisdom. I need to hear your voice. Like the woman who had the discharge of blood for 12 years and she says, man, if I could just get close enough to touch Jesus. Like the man, and the, the, the lame man and his friends, they, they knew, man, if we just get close enough to Jesus, the healing is there. You got to get close, church. And I don't know how close you are right now. At church, it, it, you know, the beautiful thing about church is there, there's, there's unity and a lot of times there's uniformity as well at church because we're all lifting up our hands together. But only you know how close or how far you are from God. You've already tasted the, the living water. You've already took of the bread. You, you've said yes to Jesus, but, but have you said yes to the depths? The saddest verse of this chapter, I'm going to have, Angel, can you come up? The saddest verse of this chapter, verse 66, let's read that again. It said, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Isn't that sad, man? As, as Christians, we should grieve at that. As, as, as followers of Jesus, anytime a follower of Jesus stops following Jesus, that is a sad day. It is, a, it, is, it is a day of mourning because it is a day that someone leaves their salvation. We see this happen all the time. This, this still happens today. But this, and I, I want to I tell you something. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Leaving the faith, leaving Jesus happens so much more often to those who are only standing on the, at the shallow end. So much more often. It's very hard to see a veteran believer, someone who is, man, they have been bruised and beat and they are still calling God, God. It is hard to see them walk away from the faith. When we see it, it's when people come to Christ for the first time, but they just, they just hang out right there in the shallow end. That's what these disciples, these followers of Jesus, they had only gotten their feet wet. They weren't all in. They hadn't, commit, they hadn't commit, uh, committed fully to Jesus yet. And so when you don't commit fully, it's so easy to cut ties. But when you're already in the deep end, that's a lot harder to do. And so this is the danger, church, of staying too long in the shallow end. Because any offense that comes your way can break you. Any moment of conviction that hits your heart that's like, ah, oh, that, 
that rubbed me the wrong way. This is a hard saying, pastor. When the Bible contradicts your lifestyle, when another Christian hurts you, and it's going to happen, when the church didn't do something the way that you wanted them to do it, when the people in your other circle start to look at you crazy, it's so easy to turn back because you're just right there on the beach. You're not committed yet. You're not all in yet. You're just a spectator. You're a supporter. You're a fan of Jesus. But you haven't made your way into the deep. You know, this is the significance of water baptism. I know I'm kind of going everywhere here, but water baptism, see, a lot of times people want to get baptized and Sometimes they just want to get wet. Sometimes, you know, they, they want people to cheer for you and, you know, represent salvation. It's celebratory day. That's, that's, that's all true. But I, I, I challenge everyone to really understand the power that is water baptism. Because water baptism is a death to self. That's what, you're not just getting wet. You are dying. You are drowning in those waters. It is figuratively comparable to you swimming into the deep where Jesus is calling you and you drowning because you can't go on anymore by your own strength and you are raised back to life with the power of Jesus who says you don't even know how to swim you don't have to know how to swim I am your strength when you become a Christian you, you are, you've already given your life to, to Jesus why then do we hang around the shallows? I want to close with this verse here. Verses 66 through 69. So we just read 66. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? We're already this deep in. I've already left my fishing business. I've already left my, I've already left everything that I'm comfortable. Where do you want me to go? I'm already in the deep. To whom shall we go? He says, you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know you that you are the Holy One of God. I want that insight that Peter had to know who Jesus is and, and what Jesus is doing even when I don't understand it. See, I know anybody can sing that song even when I don't see it, you're working, but only a true disciple can live it because you are not always going to see him working. You are not always going to feel him working, but a true disciple knows that he's working. And even when I don't see it and even when I don't feel it, I'm still going to be here in the deep end. I'm not turning around. I've committed too much. God is calling a generation of Christians to go past their ankles, to go past their knees, to go past their waist. And you know, if you've ever been in like cold waters after you, like when you get waist deep, okay, that's, that's okay. The moment the water touches your stomach, it's like, oh my Lord Jesus. That's where God is wanting you to go neck deep 
all the way to where the waters come over your head, that you drown to yourself, but race to life in him. That's what he's calling this morning. And that is what we have to teach as a church to our children. We don't need a shallow generation of Christians. We need people who will go deep. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Right there where you're at, I'm just going to ask that you bow your head. And you close your eyes this morning. If you're in this room this morning, and maybe, maybe, maybe you're not even in the waters yet. Maybe you're not walking with Jesus yet. You have not committed your life to him. I want to make, I just want to make a, a salvation call. This, this is something that we do every Sunday. If you're here in the room, you have not accepted Jesus yet into your life. But you want to make that commitment today to drop the old self and put on the righteousness of God. If that's you this morning and you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now I want to do one more call. And with with that, I'm going to have the the worship team uh, sing. But if you're here this morning and, and, and... the message, maybe it convicted you because you said, man, I, um, I'm not comfortable where I'm, or, or maybe you are comfortable, but your spirit is not comfortable with where you are. I have refused to go deeper because of, of fear, because of insecurity, because of what other people might say. If that's you this morning, I want you just to come forward and say, my God, I'm going all in, all in, all in, all in, all in. Whatever you want, whatever you need, I want to get closer to you, my God. I want to know you, my God. I want to be able to feel your presence, my God, in any room I enter because I am so close to you. If that's you this morning and you say, I want, I want to get closer. I want to get closer. I want to get closer, my God. I want to go into the depths because in the depths is where the power is, my God. I want to be entrusted with greater, my God, because you see that that I have made the commitment to go into the depths, my God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Church. Thanks again and God bless.